welcome to Checks, Mix, and Chill, a podcast about life through a generational lens. Hey, Kat, how's it going? Hey, girl, how you doing? Good. After last week's episode, ready to become a parent? Uh... <laughs> I'll come back to you. <laughs> I just, I just started sweating. Actually, <laughs> like. I'm the equivalent of like a like a I'm like a I'm like a guy about it like I'm like what what do you know what happened like like I like I would be the last one to know that about myself <laughs> but I did I immediately was like huh what what is she saying what are you talking about what are you talking about what do you know what do you so, know so based on that reaction no I am not not in this moment <laughs> we we put out on Facebook asking people particularly millennials when are you quote unquote ready for parenting so what does this mean like are there particular variables that you want or wanted to have in place such as like a partner or a house a better income um before kind of taking the plunge into parenthood and we stephanie we got a range of responses and my favorite my absolute favorites are the ones a number of people who wrote saying uh, I knew as soon as the pregnancy test came back positive that I was ready. <laughs> I guess I'm ready to be a parent. And I feel like that is not unique to millennials. I feel like that's been happening since, I was going to say the dawn of time, but especially since the dawn of pregnancy tests, at least. Um, I also love we had a, a dad respond who said, you're never ready. Even after <laughs> you have them, you constantly think back about how lack how lacking you are in your readiness to be a parent, which I thought was also really funny. Yeah, I feel like that was very humbling. Um, and we, we had people who said, you know, I had I had a kiddo really young at 18 or 19, and then I had one at 40 and 41. And um, obviously, there's very different experiences, and you're in very different places in life. But it's obviously the battle of just keeping a human alive is pretty consistent despite what age you create life at mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we had a number of people also who um i think if if they were in partnerships when they decided to have kiddos they they wanted to be as financially stable as possible um so we had jackie who wrote saying that um you know, they they were ready for a new chapter in their lives and, and were obviously financially in a place to be able to do it. Um, but ultimately, there's always kind of that sliver of doubt that no matter how many ducks you get in a row, you're always kind of you eventually just have to take the plunge and take a leap if you're going to do it, because you could obsess forever about getting all your ducks in a row and there will always be more ducks that aren't in a row, um, <laughs> which makes sense. I would be that person. <laughs> I love that all the parents that we interviewed in our last episode, they repeated the same thing, that if you're waiting for that moment, you you just need to go for it because you almost will never feel completely ready. You'll never kind of hit that mark where you're absolutely ready to go and feel like there, you know, there's no obstacle or challenge or doubt. But I know you interviewed somebody who talked a little bit about the strategy that they had as far as planning a certain goal to have in mind before they had their second child. Holly is our age where she's kind of in between. She's 30. She might be 31. And then we have Mariana, who's kind of that cusper generation where she's 35, but she, you know, by generational definitions technically falls in that 1980 
range and old, mm-hmm. you know, falls in that bucket, but culturally identifies with a lot of Gen X stuff and and has a lot of like Gen X um, kind of memories, you know, of TV mm-hmm. shows and cultural icons, that type of stuff. So we have the full range represented. And when I first talked to Holly, she's somebody who, you know, she'll go into this, but she and Chase um, had their son Hunter when they Holly um, was 20 years old. And Chase is just a couple mm. years older. And then having that particular experience where you're very young and, and very early into your career, you know, you might you might mm-hmm. not be a couple of positions ahead where you have stable benefits or, you know, a better income or opportunity for bonuses and advancement. Um, so kind of dealing with those unique challenges that go on. Um, and then but also simultaneously knowing ideally you would like another child if you can reach a point where you get above water financially. Hi, I'm Holly. I am from Aurora, Colorado. I am married to my wonderful husband, Chase. Um, I am 30 years old and I have two kids. Hunter is 10 and Ayla is three. I'm currently a stay-at-home mom, although I have my own photography business and have had it for 10 years. Um, I do tend to work on the weekends when my husband's at home so that we don't have to pay for daycare costs. And that works really well for our family. Um, I am a big fan of animals. I have three dogs, a hedgehog, and a lizard right now. I'm always trying to talk my husband into more critters. Well, we had Hunter when we were really young, and so that in itself was a challenge. We became parents, um, you know, before we were even thinking we were ready to be parents. And so, you know, we struggled through the first couple of years with just growing up ourselves. And so as we got older, Um, things got easier and jobs fell into place and things like that. And so before we wanted to bring in another kid, um, we kind of wanted, you know, our finances in a row because we just really wanted to make sure our children had a secure future and that we could do things together as a family. Um, So for us, you know, we had a certain dollar amount that we wanted to make every year before we felt confident bringing another kid into the world um, just so that we could provide for things like their educations and sports they wanted to play and, you know, different activities. We wanted them to be able to do whatever they wanted to do within reason. For us, it just became a matter of working hard to get to that place before we had our second child. So we waited six years and we got to that place and then we had our second and there's definitely no talk of a third. My name is Mariana Del Hierro. I'm 36 years old. I have a beautiful little baby boy who's eight and a half months old now, Salvador. I live in Denver. I work at the university. I'm also a PhD student part-time. I have two boy fur babies and one human boy baby. (laughs) (laughs) I've always reflected on how women always say that they've always dreamt of getting married when they were little and they pictured their wedding etc i never had that idea or fantasy but i do very clearly remember always wanting a child since i was little Mm. like the marriage piece was never important i always wanted a child and that was and i remember there was one christmas down in mexico um where i think i was 15 and it was with my family um I forgot what brought up the conversation, but I mentioned to them all that if I was never married by the age of 36, then I would either artificially inseminate myself or or figure out how to get pregnant. And I just remember like forks dropping and it was like <laughs> silence. But that was, that was, yeah. When I mean, you know yeah. what you want, you know what you want. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, for some reason, I think I had the, yeah, I, I said clearly 36. It's kind of like the, the way that I think about adding pets into my life. <laughs> 
Yes, my... Which is a totally different experience because, you know, pets are are fairly consistent in what they need and, you know, prices, uh, you know, I, you don't usually have to go to daycare or send it off to school or buy changes of clothes or anything. But it's funny because I <laughs> literally, as I budget monthly, I kind of have in the back of my mind, if I could just sock away some more money, maybe I could get kitty number two. Maybe um, I can have all the cats at once. <laughs> but the thing about cats is, and pets in general, um, they potty train faster. They, <laughs> Very like, true. Um, they don't even, talk back though, as much. They, yeah, and, and even with, obviously, dogs are less independent than cats, but even with dogs, it's like, you can't put your baby in a crate while you go to work. Like, you have to pay for day. I mean, you can, but it's very frowned upon. And also, and rightfully so. But you have to, every, when it comes to a kid, almost everything costs money. Unless you have, you're lucky enough to have some sort of family close by or like a real good community network where you can kind of rotate childcare and that type of stuff. Um, And something that, came out in our interviews is how um financially uh, having a child is always expensive right like I think that isn't unique to um any particular generation but there was a generation where one person could work and you know it was the it was the man and the husband and then the other the wife mom was providing that child care and now you need two incomes just to meet the mortgage just and and I would say a lot of women also a lot of women also want to be working at least part-time um so that's part of it too there is a preference there but yeah just providing the same basic foundation oftentimes requires two incomes now which is unique for I would say the gen x and then it has intensified with the millennial population yeah, I mean, you're totally right. And I think about, you know, a lot of the people that I know and, you know, how they even struggle with two incomes. And I think we got really blessed that my husband was able to find such an amazing job, you know, and he does really well so that I am able to stay home with the kids. Um, but I think that that was, you know, it was a big challenge when we had Hunter because we were so young and I didn't know how we were going to, you know, afford daycare. So I ended up you know, leaving work. And I, I was, I nannied for five years until Hunter was in kindergarten, you know, just kind of as a supplemental income, but still not having to pay for daycare. And so that worked out really well for us. And then we kind of got to the point where we were a little bit more stable without that income. Um, But I'm really blessed, but I know a lot of people in this time are not. How much do you pay for Salvador to go to childcare or daycare? So he only goes um, part-time because I managed to get um, my work to agree that I can work from home two times a week. Mm -hmm. So um, it's $750, but full-time. Yeah. Okay. But full-time, it's like $1,500. It is really expensive to raise kids, um, at least here in Colorado. You know, it's really expensive to have a house in a good school district. Um, sports are expensive, school supplies are expensive, everything is expensive. My niece is in daycare, um, and for a while when she was really little, they paid about $2,000 a month. That's crazy, and I can't, for me, I can't imagine going to work to spend half or part of my income on someone else taking care of my kid. Um, And so, you know, looking at all of that, it's like, how can we give our kids the best future as possible? And so if that's only having one kid to be able to provide everything we needed for that one kid, 
then that was going to be the answer. Um, and, you know, we got to the dollar amount that we wanted to feel comfortable at um, to have two. So we did have two. Um, but I think it's really something you have to kind of look at because it is really expensive. And you think about in the future, you know, college, I don't, I don't even want to think about college, but college is such a huge expense, um, you know, and you can't leave that $300,000 debt on your kid's shoulders at 22 years old. So another theme that kind of came up is this notion of partnership. And um, obviously we see how families look that's shifting, you know, culturally, mm-hmm. soci- like um, sociologically, uh, how we define family and how we define partnership is shifting um, within the political and social landscapes in, in the U.S. especially. Um, but people... Uh, and I'm I'm in this boat too. This is this is something that's a real barrier for me. I know that I can do well in my career and financially provide, but I don't know that I want to be a single parent. Um, mm-hmm. In part because there isn't a lot of cultural respect for that. You know, not respect, but there isn't mm, yeah. a lot of cultural appreciation for how hard that is. I think it it also has to do with the fact that people are allowed or are less judged for having families that have different shapes and sizes because it's not it's not like a 2000 like the year 2000 issue where all of a sudden they're single moms like there have been single moms since the dawn of time kind of situation it's just that we've always been um dictated by these like very conservative definitions of what a family should be like very 1950s situation and i feel that now with all of the different kinds of conversations that we're having as a society we're allowing ourselves to yeah for those of listeners who don't know (laughs) i separated from my partner a week before i gave birth and um it's kind of like that cheesy movie under the tuscan sun (laughs) (laughs) it's cheesy but i love it it's like not exactly what you expected but somehow but it still works it's still part of the dream right it's still like yeah and i think Mm -hmm. that's um like the the way in which families end up looking now is that like there's been a wave of that and it comes from depending on the community that we're discussing you Mm -hmm. know it's um aunties and grandmas come in and pick up the slack you know or um the family you choose the family you you choose helps you out your Mm. friends help you out it kind of just depends on like um and then there's you know families have two dads and two Mm. moms or Mm. a series of step parents and so like the nuclear family i feel like is one of many options culturally we have shifted in so many ways and evolved um to look differently but a lot of workplaces haven't and a lot of laws that protect workers and you know haven't evolved also so there's if you especially if you if we're talking single parents on the motherhood side single moms how how do you do that when you don't have a guarantee for paid maternity leave right like that's not a guarantee in every job and in every industry and so how do you how do you do that if you're doing it by yourself you know you you don't have an income um and so some of some of the policies and laws that would facilitate that for a lot of people haven't evolved at the way our cultural attitudes and acceptance of single parents or same-sex parents have definitely i i think um 
if I were to have another child, I would need to be more financially stable. And a quick way to do that would be to be in a partnership yeah. with someone. A dual income. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if not, then I would have to wait until a little later in my career where hopefully I make more money. Right. And, um, and then be able to adopt. Yeah. So partnership now and then get pregnant or wait till I get paid more. <laughs> it's and all adopt. just a lot of pressure. I know. Like, like, it's all dependent on like a lot of things coming into place. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is. Another kind of consistent reaction or, you know, consensus that we got through mm-hmm. Facebook and through our Twitter handles is that uh, especially for a lot of millennials and this this is something that you do hear represented by media outlets is that they don't um because we typically don't want to have as many children as past generations like for the most part it's Mm -hmm. one or two Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so that allows us as a group to have a little bit more time but something that we heard people cite pretty frequently um is this notion of not wanting to, you know, kind of quote unquote miss out on their youth um, or or give that up too soon. And so mm. for the folks where it's very planned and very intentional, you kind of see that. But something that struck me in my conversations with um, Mariana in particular is that um, that that notion is also still very cultural. So even though it's it's attributed to this hmm. millennial generation, within millennials, there is variation across ethnicities and racial communities, um, especially around who you know, feeling pressure to have to start a family at a certain age. So when I told my mom that I was pregnant, she was upset because I was too old. <laughs> she was pissed. And I was like... Yay! Awesome. Um, yeah, she was more excited when I told her I bought a house like, <laughs> than when I had a baby. I was like, thanks, mom. But um, yeah, there's definitely that expectation to have children and to have them young mm-hmm. because that's just very much, um, I don't know, it's just like, I think just uh, the community itself is just more likely that you have a child young. Yeah. Um, but for me, I... I I I saw having a child as a rite of passage because um, just being surrounded by um, Latina women, I always felt like I wasn't at their same level because I didn't have a child. Interesting. Therefore, I felt like I was still treated like a young teenager oh, yeah. or like a young woman yeah. because I didn't have a child. Therefore, so, I didn't possess that position yeah, right. of authority or responsibility right. or respect yeah. kind of situation and so when i got when i had my baby i was like this is it you're like no 20 <laughs> no 22 year old is gonna tell me how to feel about myself no just I'm, because she has a baby and i don't yes it's so true interesting but then i also respect having had a child going through that whole process i also understand and respect the wisdom that comes with that yes even if you are 22 yes yeah Uh uh-huh because there is a lot like i feel like since i've had my baby like my feet are firmly planted on the ground yeah and there is like a key and especially because everything that happened um with my partner throughout my pregnancy um right before i gave birth and since then it's given me like about like 
decades of wisdom that I didn't have oh, before. Yeah. So I oh yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely feel. I'm just like don't don't fucking mess with me. Right yeah. Now. No, you're an old soul now for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I you're an you're an old soul. To, yeah. You were an old soul to begin with, and now you're like an old soul who's who's like oh yeah. I don't need to panic about this. Yeah, I'm like I that don't... abuelita. I'm just like, mm-hmm, and then what? <laughs> like... uh-huh. What else do you think is a problem? <laughs> Stephanie, have have any of your parents ever asked you when you would be having children as if it was a guarantee? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> my parents have not. Um, and I think because ever since literally I was in first grade, I was really vocal about um, wanting to adopt. My mm. best friend in first grade was uh, uh, someone who was adopted into a large family. There were seven of them, and they're all adopted. And I just thought it was the coolest family. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is the family I want when I grow up. Can you um, also adopt me? <laughs> yes. Um, and so I think what's interesting, too, is so I never really had this, like, really inherent desire to birth my own baby um, right. either. Uh, and so um, I don't think my family ever asked me. I think it's been interesting now being with my husband, Andy, his family has not ever at, outright asked like when we are having um, children, but kind of uh, gets excited when they think maybe we're having a conversation that might lead to the fact that we are pregnant, oh. which is not <laughs> which is not the case. You we keep should. giving them the ten year ten years, like oh maybe in ten years, maybe maybe maybe, maybe. in ten, ten years. <laughs> we've like, been That's we've been married this. seven. So so oh, I thought you meant 10 years from today. And I was like, I don't know that that's your healthiest choice at this point. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess, if, I mean, there's a lot of moms doing it. <laughs> I know you, but you need, I mean, you are in California. You're in Los Angeles. So that's like the OBGYN capital for over 40 pregnancies. <laughs> true, so go for true. it. The world's your oyster. <laughs> Who says we can't have it all? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I do think that is interesting because I don't know that it's ever been put to me that way as if, as if it's a guarantee. Um, but there is kind of this weird, like right when we got married, people who weren't my family were asking when oh. Andy and I were going to have a family or start yeah. having a family. Yeah. And that's weird. To, I mean, I was 23 when I got married, so I was very young. Um, and Andy and I, if you don't kn- know our story, we eloped after six months of knowing each other. So awesome. we were in no rush. <laughs> yeah. We, we were still trying to like experience firsts together. <laughs> we want to make sure we don't totally regret this before we bring a third person into the equation. Exactly. That's exactly. fair. Even after you're in a committed relationship, kind of society's thought process of like, okay, so w- when are you getting married? What's next step? When are you having a family? When are you, you know, there's kind of this timeline in people's heads, whether they know you or not, about what that next step looks like. I think it is much, much more common. Like, I have a handful of friends who partnered and single who say, under no circumstance do I want children. And and the, the ones who are partnered are in partnerships where they are both on board saying, we know we don't want to have children. And so I think it is substantially obviously more common to choose that route. Um, mm-hmm. and And it is becoming less taboo. But I also think people who 
know they want children or people where it's, you know, they eventually are going to do it no matter what. And they know that, um, Mm -hmm. 10, I think it, I think it still kind of like takes people aback to be like, Oh, you really, I think just because it's, it's the same topic and you're on completely different ends of the spectrum. And so that's, I don't, it's not personal. I I don't take it as personal when people are like, you, you don't think you want children. It's more, I'm just like, well, yeah, because we're, we're literally, we're literally looking at the same thing from completely different ends of the spectrum. Um, So of course, like when we hear the other person's perspective, we tend to be like, what? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's a thing. Um, So I think it's becoming more common, but without a doubt i think um having children is the more common option still that people choose next episode we're going to be talking about passive aggressive coworkers, which is something that everybody deals with but we are doing it with the twist of being passive aggressive (laughs) we are passive aggressive and it really um it's just really typical that you would beat me to that punchline stephanie (laughs) You know what? Maybe if you were a little uh, quicker on the drop, uh, maybe I wouldn't have you. I just feel like anytime I'm assertive, you shoot me down. (laughs) All right. All right. This is why we don't work together. Exactly. Why you're in one state and I'm in another. (laughs) Um, But I'm excited for this episode because we are going to have a guest co-host. Bum, 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 bum. So uh, Andrew, our good friend Andrew, is going to join us um, because he is the king of passive aggressiveness in the workplace. So Those are his words, not ours. <laughs> I just want to put it out there. I have never called him passive aggressive. And he is also our co-host because he is, I mean, he, he identifies himself as being passive aggressive in the workplace, but he also like effectively lobbied to be on our podcast so <laughs> not that it was super difficult he texted me and was like this this needs to happen and I was like you know I think you're right all right <laughs> so if you have any crazy stories interesting tidbits or maybe somebody has said something to you passive aggressively in the workplace feel free to tweet at us at checks mix chill or on Facebook, uh, you can catch us and uh, give us a little background. Look for our prompts. We'll be asking you for your fun stories. We'll do a poll or two about passive aggressiveness. So feel free to keep looking at that. And thanks for joining us for this episode. <laughs>